Mrs. Prayer. I would now like to talk a little about the prayer in action. How do we use it? We use it in two basic situations, which we might call free and structured. The, by the free use of the Jesus prayer, I mean that we may say it once or a number of times as we go about our daily tasks during all the odd moments that might otherwise be wasted. We can say the Jesus prayer first thing when we wake up, as we wake, make the sign of the cross and then say the Jesus prayer. Put the new day into the hands of the Lord Jesus. We can say the Jesus prayer once or a number of times, last thing as we are dropping off to sleep. We can say it when dressing, when cleaning our room, when washing up. We can say it when walking from one place to another. I don't drive a car, so in Oxford I travel by bus. And I find it's very useful to say the Jesus Prayer when waiting in the queue for the bus to come. The Oxford bus system gives many opportunities for prayer. <laughs> if you are waiting for the bus, and it's late, it is no use saying to yourself, why doesn't this bus come? It's five minutes late. I know what will happen. I shall wait another ten minutes and three buses will come at once and I shall be late for my appointment. This is a sheer waste of inner energy because you will not make the bus come one second earlier. So why go on like this chuntering and grumbling inwardly? Why don't we pray at such a moment? But if we are to pray at such a moment, we need to have a form of prayer that is very simple and instantly available. And that, I think, is one of the great qualities of the Jesus Prayer or other short arrow prayers like that. Um, if you don't travel by bus, you can transfer what I was saying to what you do when sitting in a traffic jam. I find the Jesus Prayer very useful at committees. You, <laughs> you don't always have to listen exactly to what your colleagues are saying. Uh, humans have a tendency to repeat themselves, and they like to make their point every time. It's very helpful in counseling. Sometimes when someone comes to talk with you, you have a feeling that neither of you is able to break through to the level of genuine meaning. Sometimes people will be embarrassed if you say to them, let us pray together. Sometimes that is not appropriate. But what I can do is pray inward. And sometimes if I will say the Jesus Prayer just once or twice, then it transfigures the conversation. It's good to say the Jesus Prayer at moments of extreme nervousness and tension, of great anxiety, when other forms of prayer wouldn't really be possible. Um, as I've already said, at times of pain, um, insomnia, if you can't sleep, instead of counting sheep, why not say the Jesus prayer? Now, the purpose of this free use of the Jesus prayer throughout the day is to bring Christ into all that we do. To make the secular sacred. 
Father Alexander Schmemann says that the Christian is the one who, wherever he or she looks, sees Christ everywhere and rejoices in him. Jesus' prayer helps us to see Christ everywhere. One of the unwritten sayings, the agrapha, sayings attributed to Christ by the early Christians, but not actually found in the Gospels, which I particularly value is this. Lift the stone and you will find me. Cut the wood in two and there am I. You ought to find Christ everywhere. But if we are to bring prayer into each passing moment, into each familiar task, we need a prayer that is simple, immediately at hand, instantly available. So the Jesus prayer can help us to unite our work time and our prayer time, to make the work time into prayer time. As St. Theophan the recluse says, the hands at work, the mind and heart with God. But here, let us take note of a warning. Well expressed by the Apostle James, chapter 1, verse 8. The double-minded person is unstable in every way. Don't be double-minded inwardly split. Don't try to do two things at once. Don't attempt to keep reciting the Jesus prayer in situations which require total concentration. I might recite the Jesus prayer from time to time in committee meetings. But I wouldn't try to recite the Jesus Prayer now that I'm giving a talk to you. Perhaps some people have reached a level where the Jesus Prayer goes on all the time inside them, and yet they can be totally gathered into the task they are doing, writing, speaking. But for most of us, that's not really possible. If we try to do two things at once, we shall do both of them badly. A surgeon who had to perform a heart transplant might well say the Jesus prayer before he began the operation. But while doing the operation, where the slightest error could have fatal results, surely he has to concentrate absolutely on the work in hand. And if he's thinking about saying the Jesus prayer as well, that probably would not be helpful at any rate in the early stages of saying the Jesus prayer. If it establishes itself within you at a deep level, fine. But before that has happened, better to say the Jesus prayer in situations that don't demand your full attention, but otherwise concentrate on what you are doing. That then is one way of using the Jesus Prayer, the free use. And then there is, secondly, what I've termed the structured use, where the Jesus Prayer is part of our regular prayer time, morning and evening. In this case, we say the Jesus Prayer in conditions of outward quiet, with so far as possible a fully gathered attentiveness. When St. Silvan of Mount Athos was going to recite the Jesus Prayer in his cell, the first thing he did was to take his alarm clock and wrap it up in his pullover and stuff it away in a drawer so that the ticking did not disturb him. 
Then he would take his woolen monastic cap and pull it down over his eyes and ears. And then he would say the Jesus prayer. So when we are reciting it in this structured way as part of our prayer time on its own, then usually we would say it alone, not usually said in groups, though the monastery of St. John the Baptist from which Sister Magdalene comes does say the Jesus prayer uh, as part of their common prayer each day. But that is unusual. Normally, it's what you say alone in your own room with the door closed. The Jesus prayer is usually said, not chanted, and it's not necessarily articulated with the lips. You needn't actually make any sound, but we are taught to say the words inwardly. The words should be distinctly formed within us. Very dangerous to imagine in the early stages of practicing the Jesus prayer that we are advancing to the stage of wordless prayer of the heart. That is a rare gift, usually only attained after many months or years of striving. We shouldn't be presumptuous and think that we are achieving it quickly and easily. Probably what we are doing is lapsing into a light doze. And that's, <laughs> that's not the same as wordless prayer of the heart. So the advice that we are all given is concentrate on the actual forming repetition of the prayer within you. Yes, there will be moments when we feel we don't need to go on saying the words when we can just rest in the prayer. But probably that will be quite brief. And as we feel the distractions coming back into us, we should return to saying the prayer. Most commonly, the Jesus prayer is said seated. On Athos, they recited on a low stool, about nine or ten inches high, in a crouching position. But I would recommend people to say it seated on a chair with a back. Um, chair not unlike this one, though without a tape recorder sitting on it. Um, of course, when you are praying, you don't cross your legs. I would suggest use a seated position where you can, as far as possible, be unconscious of your body. Don't feel it as uncomfortable. Don't fidget. Normally, we say the Jesus Prayer with our eyes closed. I'll come back to that in a moment. Ah, you may say, but here there is an obvious difficulty. If you sit with your eyes closed and you repeat the same prayer over and over again, are you not in danger of dropping off to sleep? Yes, indeed, if you find you're getting sleepy, stand up and after each Jesus prayer, make a full prostration to the ground. Make the sign of the cross with each Jesus prayer, and then go right down with your forehead to the ground and get up again. If you do that 30 times, perhaps you won't feel so sleepy, and then you may <laughs> sit down again. I suggest to people who are attracted by the use of the Jesus prayer, that initially they should not say it for a very long time. I think when beginning to say the Jesus Prayer, it's quite enough to say it for about 10 or 15 minutes. After a time, if you're moved in your heart, if your spiritual father blesses you, 
then you might say it for longer periods. But don't overdo it to begin with. Here, let me say that it's perfectly possible to use the Jesus prayer in the free way, the odd moments of the day, without using it in what I call the structured way as part of our prayer time. There's nothing against a person using it freely but using their particular prayer time on other forms of praying. We should not make exaggerated claims for the Jesus prayer. We should not speak as if orthodox spirituality was identical with the Jesus prayer. If we look at a work like the Philokalia, yes, the Jesus prayer runs as a precious thread through that book. But in fact, especially in the opening volumes, very little is said about the Jesus prayer. It's only one theme among many. So we shouldn't suggest that the Jesus prayer is identical with orthodox spirituality. We shouldn't say it is the only way of praying. We shouldn't say it is obligatory. We shouldn't even say it is the best way of praying. All we should say is, if we use it, it has helped me. It has helped many others. Perhaps it might also help you. And there can, of course, be great variations in the way the Jesus prayer is used. Some people use it occasionally, in the free way. Others people use it regularly, but without making it the center of their prayer life. Others are guided by their own heart and by the counsel of their spiritual father to make the Jesus prayer the center, the living heart of all their personal prayer. So many possible situations exist. Now, if we do use the Jesus prayer as part of our set prayer time, the purpose of this is exactly to attain silence in the sense that I mentioned at the beginning. The Jesus prayer is one way of bringing about inner stillness, hesychia, creative silence. One way, not the only way. It is one way of learning to listen to God in our prayer. It's one way of answering Carlyle's mother, will you tell them how? And here is a paradox. The Jesus prayer is a prayer in words, but it's also a prayer of silence. Because the words are few, simple, regularly repeated. It is a prayer that leads us through words into silence. It's a prayer that enables us to find the silence that is hidden within the words, interwoven with the words. Because silence and speech are not mutually exclusive. So in the Jesus prayer we speak, but at the same time we listen. So the Jesus prayer, said especially in the structured form, is a prayer of waiting on God, of gazing, of listening. When I was about seven or eight years old, I can remember attending a sermon about prayer and at the beginning the preacher uh, 
told a story. I think it's a story linked with the Cure d'Ar, but he didn't mention that. Once upon a time, he said, there was an old man who spent a long time each day in church. His friends said to him, what are you doing in church all that time? The old man replied, I'm praying. Praying, they said, you must have a great many things to ask from God. And the old man answered, I'm not asking God for anything. Well, they said, what are you doing then? And the old man replied, I just sit and look at God, and God sits and looks at me. Well, I remember at the age of seven or eight, thinking that was a very good definition of prayer. And that is indeed the attitude that we hope to bring about when we are saying the Jesus prayer. I just sit and look at God, and God sits and looks at me. Now I come to what is quite a difficult aspect in the practice of the invocation of the Holy Name. And this aspect of the Jesus Prayer is well summed up in a famous saying by Evagrius of Pontus, author of the 153 chapters on prayer that you find in the first volume of the Philokalia. And you will find this saying, it's about number 70 there, in that work. Prayer means the shedding of thoughts, the laying aside of thoughts. That he did not intend as a definition of all prayer. He was talking about inward prayer. Prayer means the shedding of thoughts. Now there is, more especially in Western Christendom, though also in the Orthodox East sometimes, a form of prayer that is known as discursive meditation. In such meditation we take most commonly an incident from the Gospels, we use our imagination to think as vividly as possible about this incident. We explore its inner spiritual meaning. We try to apply it to ourselves and through meditation on this incident to reach some kind of practical resolution. This form of discursive meditation, making use of the imaginative faculty, is particularly recommended by Ignatius of Loyola, François de Sales, Alphonsus Liguori, and other Catholic writers of the 16th and 17th century. Now, the Jesus Prayer is quite different. I'm not saying that discursive meditation is wrong. No, it may help people. But in saying the Jesus Prayer, we are doing something distinct from this. In the Jesus Prayer, we do not think about particular events in the Gospels. We do not reflect on specific words of Christ. We do not form inner mental trains of reasoning concerning various theological truths. We do not deliberately form pictures. What we are taught is that the Jesus prayer is a prayer of total presence. We do not think about particular incidents in the life of Christ, 
but simply of the total presence of Jesus the Savior. And so we are told, if images occur to you, as they will, shed them, let them go. Gather yourself into a simple sense of presence. Each time your mind wanders, and it will wander, return to the center. When you find you're thinking about other things, simply come back to the invocation of Jesus. Bring your mind back to the center, gently but firmly. If images occur, thoughts, ideas, don't push them away with an act of inner violence. That was on the whole unhelpful. But shed them, let them go. This is our situation as human beings, especially subject to the consequences of the fall. We are fragmented. It is very difficult to gather ourselves totally into one task, into one thought. Not long ago when I was waiting in the dentists for my appointment, I was reading the Reader's Digest, which is not my normal spiritual reading, but <laughs> I came across a very useful phrase. It said, the people who get things done are the people who do one thing at a time. And I thought, how very true. And then I thought, how difficult. It is not easy to do one thing at a time total concentration and certainly that is not easy when we are praying but this is the aim of the Jesus prayer to bring us from a state of fragmentation of dispersal of distractedness to simplicity and wholeness someone whom I've quoted more than once in this series, St. Mark the Monk, comes in volume one of the Philokalia, says, the reasoning brain cannot rest idle. Our mind is always going on about one thing or another. When we try to pray, one of the first things we have to face is distracting thoughts. As Theophan says, they are like buzzing flies on a summer's evening. Like mosquitoes, perhaps we might say, in Alaska. An Indian writer says that our thoughts are like monkeys jumping capriciously from branch to branch. When we try to pray, we find all kinds of pointless and irrelevant thoughts come into our mind. And what can we do to still our ever-active mind? We cannot just turn off the inner television set by a simple effort of will. It's no use saying to oneself, stop thinking. You might as well say, stop breathing. This is the end of side one. Please turn the cassette over for the continuation of the message on side two. By an effort of will. But what we can do is to assign to our ever active mind a specific task, a specific task that is simple and unified the constant invocation of 
the holy name. So the constant repetition of the Jesus prayer then helps us to move from multiplicity to simplicity, from dispersion to centeredness, from fragmentation to wholeness. We can't totally get rid of all our distractions, but we can gradually detach ourselves from them. If you're sitting in a room near a main road and uh, talking with a friend, you can find yourself distracted by the noise of the traffic. I can't bear it, all these cars going by the whole time. I can't think. But actually, if the conversation is really interesting that we're having with our friend, we find after a time that we simply do not notice the traffic. We only notice what we're talking about. The traffic is there, it's going on all the time, and with a certain level of consciousness, we are continuing to hear it, but we don't give our attention to it. We let it go, we shed it. We can do the same with distractions, under the mercy, with God's help. If we have a thing like the Jesus Prayer to center us, then the distractions may still be there, buzzing away at the edge of our consciousness, but we won't let them intrude into the center. So that's the basic principle behind the use of the Jesus Prayer. However, I have often found that people are troubled by the advice you must lay aside all images, all thoughts. And they find that the more they think about not thinking, the more they suffer from distracting thoughts. The activity of getting rid of our thoughts can be counterproductive. My answer here is, let our strategy be positive and not negative. Let us not think about what we want to get rid of, but let us concentrate upon that which we hope to achieve. Let us not think about pushing away the distractions and repressing them, but let us simply turn in a positive way to the person of the Lord Jesus. Don't think about not thinking. Don't think about getting rid of your thoughts and images. But think rather of the nearness of the Lord Jesus, of his total presence. He is here before me and within me. Think of his nearness with love. So be affirmative rather than negative. Yes, it's very unlikely we shall totally get rid of our thoughts. But we may find they recede into the background like the noise of the traffic. Let us then turn our attention to the Saviour and feel his love. Feel his saving grace as we say the prayer. We may well ask ourselves, to what level of human personhood does the Jesus prayer appeal? Clearly, it is not appealing directly to the imaginative faculty, to the imagination, to what the Greeks call the fantasia, because as I've already stressed, we do not deliberately form thoughts and images in our mind. It's not a type of discursive meditation. So it doesn't work on that level. 
Equally, it does not appeal primarily to the reasoning brain. After saying the Jesus prayer, we shall not come out with a lot of fresh arguments in favor of the existence of God. We shall not come out with fresh insights into the meaning of the Chalcedonian definition concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. We shan't feel after saying the Jesus prayer that in a factual way we know something different with our reasoning brain. It's not working on that level. Does it then work primarily on the level of the emotions? It is a prayer of feeling. We are to invoke the Saviour with love. But it is not primarily a prayer involving great emotional excitement. When we say the Jesus Prayer, we are not to shout inwardly, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. If you start saying the Jesus Prayer like that, you'll very soon get tired, and it won't help you very much. We should never use prayer as a way of forcing things, of grasping. Prayer may be a way of opening our hearts and our hands to receive God's grace. But it's not a way of gripping something and seizing hold of it. If we have that kind of image of forcing things, I think we may find that the prayer goes astray. So, yes, there should be feelings of deep love in the Jesus prayer, but not emotional excitement. We shouldn't shout inwardly. We are taught that the prayer should flow in us like a gently flowing stream. And in fact, in Greek and Slavonic, the prayer has a rhythm, a music, that is not so apparent in English. Equally, the Jesus prayer doesn't appeal directly to our will. It's not primarily a way of resolving problems. Exactly, since it's a laying aside of thoughts, we should try as far as we can to stop thinking about our problems when we come to the Jesus prayer. We may in fact find that after we've said the Jesus prayer, the problems that are worrying us seem clearer. Very often, difficulties are solved by not thinking about them. But it does not appeal directly to the will in the way that Ignatian forms of prayer do. So, if it does not work on the level of the imagination or of the reasoning brain, or of the emotions, or of the will, on what level does it work? My answer would be it works on the level of the heart. The deep heart of which I spoke very inadequately in an earlier talk, that is where the Jesus Prayer is working. The Jesus Prayer aims to be prayer of the heart, of the deep self on a level beyond the reasoning brain and more profound, on a level beyond the emotions and more profound. Because the heart, as we saw, does not mean simply the emotions. Also, it could be said to work on the level of what the Greek fathers call the noose. There is no adequate word in English for translating noose. Sometimes it's rendered mind, but that's much too vague. Mind covers all our inner mental activities. In the Philokalia, we translate it intellect, but it doesn't mean the reasoning brain. The noose is a faculty higher than the reasoning brain. It means the spiritual vision. It is intuitive. It's not 
working through syllogisms from premises to a conclusion. But the Jesus prayer is often called prayer of the noose, noera prosevki in Greek, noetic prayer. So it is the deep self and the spiritual understanding that are involved with the Jesus prayer. And on this level of the heart and of the noose, things often happen beyond the reach of our immediate conscious understanding. We may say the Jesus prayer and have a feeling that nothing is happening. I didn't have any particularly beautiful and edifying feelings. I didn't have new thoughts about God that I can bring into next week's sermon. Well, was I just wasting my time? No. The answer often is that by saying the Jesus Prayer day by day, week by week, gradually, on the deep level, our heart and our noose are being trained, educated, and enlightened. Let me briefly mention certain external helps when saying the Jesus Prayer. First of all, in the tradition, it is repeatedly said that we should, if possible, find a spiritual guide, a spiritual father or mother, someone experienced in the use of the prayer, who can give us personal instruction, person to person. We need what is called in Celtic Christianity, Amchara, a soul friend. If you're going to climb Mount McKinley, it will be a good idea the first time you go up to go up with somebody who knows the way. And that's also true of the Jesus prayer. Companion who is familiar with the way. But if we can't find a spiritual guide, we may still say the Jesus Prayer in a humble and quiet way, in the way I've been indicating. Asking for the help of the Holy Spirit and reading some of the books about the Jesus Prayer. A second external aid on a rather different level is the prayer rope which I see a number of you have, what the Greeks call a convoskinion and what the Slavs call a chotki. That is to say, a rope of knotted wool or cord, the standard form as this has a hundred knots. It could be made of leather, it could be of beads, but usually it is a knotted cord, so it's silent in use. The prayer rope is part of the monastic habit. When you're made a monk, you're given the leather belt, and you're given the prayer rope, and you're told to use it for the Jesus prayer. But of course it can be used by lay people. We should carefully distinguish between the prayer rope, convoskinion, and worry beads, which in Greek are called convologion. Their origin may be the same, but their use in practice is rather different. I remember one of our English converts some years ago going for the first time to Greece, and he was not aware of this distinction. And he said to me when he came back, Greece is a marvelous country, so spiritual. Why, the men are sitting there in their cafes, they're playing cards, they're smoking, they're drinking ouzo, but all the time they're saying the Jesus prayer. <laughs> I said, I think you don't quite understand the distinction between wadi beads and the prayer rope. I would that it were so. Now, the purpose of using a prayer rope is not really to measure the quantity of times that you say the prayer, because mere quantity does not matter, though it may be that you've been given by your spiritual father a rule to say the Jesus Prayer a certain number of times, 
But that's not the main purpose. As St. Isaac the Syrian says, I do not want to count milestones, but to enter the marriage chamber. So counting the number of prayers is not so important. But what the prayer rope helps is to assist regular rhythmical repetition. It's a fact of experience that if we give our hands something to do as we pray, this will help us to be more gathered and less restless. It stops us fidgeting. A third external aid is to coordinate the rhythm of the prayer with the rhythm of our breathing. But on the whole, I don't advise people to try this unless they have personal spiritual guidance. Though you could use, I think without any harm, a very simple technique, which is to say, the first half of the prayer as you breathe in, the second half as you breathe out. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, as you breathe in, have mercy on me, the sinner, as you breathe out. But anything more elaborate is only to be undertaken with expert and personal spiritual guidance. However, the purpose of the breathing technique with the Jesus prayer is exactly to involve the body in prayer. What I was talking about earlier in this series. Its purpose is to make the prayer part of myself, as regular, as natural, as much an element in my instinctive being as my very breathing is. Our aim is to make prayer no longer something that I do, but something that I am. And indeed, no longer something that I am, but that Christ is within me. Not I, but Christ in me. That is the aim of the Jesus prayer. To unite my prayer with his prayer. How quickly should we say the Jesus prayer? My answer there is find your own rhythm. But in general, don't hurry. There is a tradition more commonly in the Greek church of saying the Jesus prayer quite quickly. But I favor the Russian approach, which says it more slowly. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Leave a short pause at the end of each prayer, though not too long. If you link the Jesus prayer with your breathing, then the basic point is to make your breathing much slower than it normally is. As we progress in the Jesus prayer, we often find we're saying it much more slowly. Some people might say only three Jesus prayers to a minute taking nearly half an hour to say a hundred prayers, but probably at the beginning you're likely to take about ten minutes for a hundred Jesus prayers. But we should each find our own rhythm. Let me end with one final question. Is it not selfish to shut our door, to close our eyes, and to keep repeating, have mercy on me? Isn't the Jesus prayer anti-social and world-denying? People have often asked me that. Let me answer with two quotations. The first is from Saint Seraphim of Sarov. 
acquire inner peace and thousands around you will find salvation. Acquire inner peace and thousands around you will find salvation. And my second quotation is from Dag Hammarskjöld, one time Secretary of the United Nations. Understand through the stillness. Act out of the stillness. Conquer in the stillness. Acquire inner peace. And thousands around you will find salvation. The aim of the Jesus Prayer is to help us to gain inner peace. And thereby it makes us into a woman or man for others in a way that we would not be. Because with the divine help we have acquired a little inner peace. Because we've prayed alone in secret with the door shut for perhaps no more than five or ten minutes each day. Then, throughout all the other minutes and hours of the day, we shall be available to others, open to their concerns, loving, Christ-like, in a way that would otherwise be impossible. So, exactly, the Jesus Prayer does not make us selfish, but it makes us available. And then there is the word of Hammerskjold, act out of the stillness. If I speak and act out of stillness, if my word to others is a word that comes out of silence, then in a way that would not otherwise be possible, it will be a word of fire, of healing and transfiguration. Thank you.